It's Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. You can thank me later. Download the Alive Podcast app from your app store today. Joyful and Resilient Black Children podcast, the show that bridges conversations from parenting to child well-being and social justice. We are your hosts, Dr. Valerie Evans-Bass and Dr. Sharita Butler-Burns. In this special episode, we reflect on the first season and share our hopes for the future. Join us as we delve into the highlights and valuable insights we gain throughout this journey. Absolutely. So as we move into it, as we wrap up the first season of our podcast, Sharita, what are some of the most impactful conversations we've had that resonated with you and our listeners? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think, again, all the conversations were great, but those that sort of stood out to me were, of course, the session on like Black Girls in Math. We had Dr. Nicole Joseph. And then I also what stood out to me was when we talked about Black mothers and their vulnerability. Yes, absolutely. Because it's also like while we're talking to them about some of the research and some of the things that we know, I also sort of learned lessons from them as well on what to do and how to be vulnerable. And I think because we all are mothers, it was hard not to sort of take some of the lessons that was learned from so many and then just to sort of evaluate and how I show up and kind of deal with my own vulnerability. Absolutely. So those were like the top two that stood out for me. What about you? You know, that's funny because those were two that stood out for me, but I would say certainly with Dr. Nicole Joseph and hearing math, being a mother of a daughter who loves science, hearing her passion and her experience. And then the other episode that stood out for me was Empower Her. Oh, yes. That episode was so fabulous with Dawn Brown because I felt like it was not only a conversation where we could intersperse questions for her that were related to our research, but more importantly, the jewels that she shared with parents Mm -hmm. and with practitioners and those who want to do this work well with young people. I feel like when I'm in spaces and people are saying, we need to, we don't know how to. And then to hear Dawn say, we've been doing this and this is how to get it done. And her ability to have conversations with us to share with both parents, to say, here's how to support your girls, as well as those organizations, nonprofits and otherwise. Mm-hmm. I want to support girls and we need to figure out how to do it. I think sometimes as researchers, because of the discipline and the spaces that we occupy, we're looking for evidence-based and evaluation. That's right. That's right. And she does evaluation of that program, but the idea that she was, in addition to the evaluation of her program, she's saying, here's how this works, and here's the evidence from our parents. And when we receive mm-hmm. that evidence, right, what they might call translational research, where we hear from the parents that they needed to, we embed that into our program. That's right. We know that, you know, there are limited experiences for girls to become you know, certified divers. We integrate that into our programs. I loved that we could talk about it from a research perspective, 
But even more importantly, or equally important, was those organizations who are saying we want to do this well to hear someone who is doing it well and really, Absolutely. you know, not just working with the girls, working with the communities, working with mm-hmm. their families, trying to understand how best to work with mm-hmm. their families versus sort of saying, well, well, the parents just don't get it, right? So acknowledging that the parents may not get it, but understanding why and figuring out how to work with those children and those parents. So I loved that episode. Yeah, and that was one of my favorite episodes too, because, you know, when we think about the work that we do, when you think about when people say like community-engaged work, community-engaged work, youth-centered work, parent-centered work, like she's doing it. And it also offers lessons to... I mean, because I even got off after we did the interview, like, you know, how are the ways that I can sort of show up? Like, she's been very successful. She's in these school districts. And it was really youth led. And I think the biggest thing for me was sharing her lived experiences about sort of how her commitment to Black girls came about. So, yeah, I forgot about I don't know how I could have forgotten yeah. about that. That was oh, a no, good one, so too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were all so good. And I think the other that was, you know, touched my heart and touched my academic hat was the idea of, you know, promoting Black mental wellness for teens. Yes. It's certainly the broad topic, and we really focus primarily on racial socialization mm-hmm. as a mental health issue for young people. And I love that because that's how I entered into the research arena started doing that as a practitioner but more importantly I love that there's the journal and you know I was sharing it out to say hey check out this podcast you know this particular episode and not all but many of the parents who send their children either to you know magnet schools or independent schools which are also known as private schools their children are often isolated the research shows that particularly for once they become adolescents and so and I had parents say to me, this is what was going on with my child, even those who were at public schools and said, but I didn't know what this was, right? So yeah. we can talk amongst ourselves, oh, that's a racial encounter, right? <laughs> you know, that child might be struggling with their racial identity and we can come up with some terms. But to hear a couple different parents, not just independent school parents, even a couple Megan school, which are the public schools, say, my yeah. child has been experiencing this. I didn't even know what to do. I didn't know what to call it. And I love it. You know, I was so happy to listen mm-hmm. to that episode and to share with other parents. So for me, that was so cool because we know that the research demonstrates it's hard for Black parents to talk about racial socialization and the day-to-day encounters that they have, let alone to sort through and sift through maybe the, you know, small bites, sound bites of conversation that their teens are having with them and figure out, oh, they're having these racial encounters and how do I support them as teens? So Absolutely. I like that. Absolutely. That, you know, adults felt like I've got something now to have this conversation yeah. with my teens. Yeah. That's probably two of my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I can go on and on. I think it's, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I was thinking about the financial. Absolutely. So I mean, and that one stood out to me because of his commitment Number one, coming through at HBCU where they sort of poured into him Mm -hmm. and then coming out and saying, this is what I want to do for persons in my community. But then also, I think meeting young youth where they're at and showing them sort of how to invest and the different ways of investment. Yes. I also like that, too, because there were some things that I didn't know, again, about the sneakerheads, like those folks who invest. And so I think that was really great, too. Yeah. Always learning something. Yeah. It was. Always. And I like that Jordan talked about that, you know, not necessarily 
diminishing how young people are spending their money solely and saying you shouldn't be spending your money this way, but giving them different perspectives, right. you know, sharing different perspectives of it, right? So understanding that some young people may be buying those sneakers as an investment strategy, right? As a money-making strategy That's versus right. just wearing them to school. Because That's we right. know that there's some who wear those sneakers and don't even think about it. But mm-hmm. then he said, no, you know, we try to talk to them about how can you make money off of the amount that you're spending and how you're standing in line to get this newest and latest sneaker. So I love that. Like I said, meeting young people where they are and helping them to expand their thoughts about how they invest, how they earn money, right? So yeah. how they secure the bag. As they exactly, I exactly. <laughs> I loved it. It was good, yeah. And so we've talked about the episodes, right, in terms of what stood out to us. And so if we look at them sort of collectively, what do you think what theme stands out like for our first season? Like what theme would you say? I know that's a hard one. I'm even thinking about it in terms of process and thinking. Oh, I think one wow. of the things I could think of is just empowerment. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like mm-hmm. strength based. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the way that we sort of listen to where parents were at. We have like diverse perspectives, mm-hmm. ideas, mm-hmm. beliefs. Mm-hmm. generational. Yeah. So really the empowerment is one of the themes I can say like throughout the episodes. Yeah. And I don't want, you know, this probably sounds kind of cheeky or like a plug for our show, which maybe it is for our podcast. But for me, what stood out was like resilience. Mm-hmm. But I say that in a more comprehensive, robust way. And when I say resilience, let me just share that most of our guests created or became what they were as professionals by responding to the needs of our community Mm -hmm. and choosing to respond to the needs of our community in a more asset-based way, right? So that was so, to me, beautiful, right? So this idea of joy and resilience. So this idea of, you know, if you go back to Dort in our money, our SIP episode, like Mm -hmm. we're sitting home during a pandemic. My friends and I had just graduated with tons of loans and we're saying, what are we going to do? Let's do something. Let's not just do something in this moment where we can't be together physically, but let's do something that meets a need. Not just a need for us, right? Which they could very much be like, we're just going to work on us, but we're going to meet a need, figure this out for ourselves, but figure this out for others so that they are not in our seat. Mm -hmm. And I love the collectivism. Yeah, the collectivism. I love that. So when I'm thinking about that, you know, communal resilience, Uh if you will, right? So this idea of we're going to help ourselves and we're going to help others, we're going to help others, and in turn, that's going to help me. So it's, for me, it's like that communal resilience. Communal resilience. That's you know, yeah. Even when we think about, you know, Candace, the pediatrician who talked about, you know, hearing her patients and yes. the relationships with their children and figuring out how to help them help their children from a different angle other mm-hmm. than saying, let me check the temperature or let me make sure they're meeting their growth benchmarks, right? So I love that. And then the kind of conversation we had about where does the parenting come from, right? And can we acknowledge that? And can we try to face that and manage that in a different way? So mm-hmm. I loved, and I feel like, again, this you know communal responsibility and yeah. responsiveness, right? So it becomes this resiliency that is just amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And we hear that, and it reminds me of when we hear people say Black History 365, I am Black History, just idea that these are everyday people who are understanding, acknowledging, identifying the needs of our community and not only wanting, but choosing to serve, right? Yes. And so I yeah. love that, that sort of communal resilience was 
Amazing. And for most of our episodes, when we were saying, okay, where do you find the joy? You know, we attempted to do that in almost every episode. Folks were able to tell us, like our guests were able to say, this is the joy in this, or this is where you can lean into the joy. Even if you find yourself addressing a need that's very serious, you know, could be serious. And so for me, I would say that, you know, that resiliency, that communal resiliency Mm -hmm. was amazing to hear. And even the commonality, too, among some of our guests as well, too, like sharing and talking with each other as well, too. I think I love that communal resilience piece. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So that's probably what I would say. And so we're coming together on it. And relatedly, you know, our guests have definitely shared, you know, their research, their experiences, their insights, some of them, their background, their biography, not just as professionals, Mm -hmm. but, you know, as living individuals. And so when you think about when we would ask them, what's the joy or what's your takeaway? Sharita, what's one takeaway that you would say you believe can significantly impact our listeners' journey as parents when you hear Ooh. what we've been listening yeah. to? Yeah, another hard question. I know that's a, a good hard question, <laughs> but a hard one. I'm going to say this. For me, it is the idea that we can be vulnerable, that, again, like you said, it's this idea of community resilience. But what I took away from it was like the persistence, sort of the perseverance that parents collectively have and really trying to make sense in a world that is sort of highly racialized in raising our back children, Black women being vulnerable, empowering our community about financial wealth, creating programs, empower her for Black girls and the ways they show up. So for me, it was the service oriented, the things they were doing. I felt like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm articulating it in the best way, but I think other parents sort of normalized what was sort of going on, whether it had to do with sort of mental health, finding programming for their children, financial wealth, Black girls' experiences in the classroom, having the talk. I think we did. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that that's how we impacted parents' journey. And then even sharing some of our own experiences, too. Absolutely. And I would say I would hope so, too. And it sounds like, you know, normalizing the Black parent experience, right? That's it. And our experiences is definitely unique, right? It's diverse and yet unique. Yes, So hopefully that is something that our parents could come away from. If parents are feeling isolated or feeling like, I'm not sure if this is the right way to go about it or how I should go about it. Ideally, as you said, they come away from the show. They come away from listening to our episodes and say, okay, I've got an idea. I've got a resource that Mm -hmm. I can look to. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll see if there's a similar resource available in my community. So this idea that, you know, the Black parenting experience is unique, right? So affirming that, I think. Oftentimes, as Black parents, when we make decisions that are really based on sort of a racialized experience, we can second guess, right? Or we can say this is the right way. And I don't know that there is one way, but the idea that we are, you know, letting parents know that these things do happen as you're parenting Black children, as you're working to protect Mm -hmm. them, to advocate for them, but also to build skills in them so that they are resilient. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Navigate the spaces that they occupy now as well as spaces that they will occupy in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the way that you said that we have like unique, diverse parents because we know Black families are not a monolith. Black folks are not a monolith, right? But just having all of sort of these different perspectives, I think, I'm hoping that the takeaway was, you know, there were some similarities, there were differences. 
But like you said, it was resources and tools as well that we provided. Yeah, and it was exciting to, as this being our first year and moving into space to really be able to translate or to support and uplift these mm-hmm. different experiences and organizations and say, this is how it connects or these are questions that we need to ask as yeah. researchers or that we need to give to parents to put into their toolkit when they're working with their children and guardians. And I really think that that is amazing. And it was always interesting when a new episode would come out and I would say, check out this episode to get that feedback, that instant feedback, which I would also say, don't forget to like and share and subscribe to our podcast. Yeah, yeah. But when you know someone would text or email me and say, this episode was fabulous, I took the time to listen. So sometimes they would listen as soon as I shared it. Other times I'd run into someone or they'd send me a message. I listened to I was driving or I listened to it. And it yeah. was really good. I'm like, of course it was really good. But Absolutely. you know, to hear folks say, yeah. you know, that was good information that was useful, I think is wonderful. And ideally we can continue that moving forward. I agree. I agree. So when we talk about moving forward, like looking ahead to the next season, mm-hmm. what are your hopes and aspirations for the podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. How do we envision our discussions, right, to continue to empower and support the community? Yeah, I hope that we are able to have a couple episodes where we can bring in one or two of our parents from the Joy Circle. Oh, yeah. To help us to think about, you know, with some of our guests, right? They may have questions. Absolutely. Um, I hope that we can also highlight some young people who are doing great things. Absolutely. It would be great as well as, you know, continue to hear from organizations and individuals who are doing great work because we are talking about raising joyful and resilient black children. And there's some young adult black children, which are children, you know, who are the yeah. high school students or college students who are still in the process of growing and maturing, but they too are doing great things for their peers. They may be doing things with the parents. <laughs> you know, I would love to have them. Absolutely. Our parents may have some questions for the topics that come to us and that we seek out that they may want to share or communicate with. So I would love for us to be able to do that in a way that, you know, generates traction for our parents, right? That they come away mm-hmm. from our podcast feeling fed, right? So Absolutely. informed and fed, right? So that they feel good. You know, I like the idea of our podcast being part of the joy quotient, right? So Absolutely. about, you know, topics that can be challenging. Those might be some of our topics, some of the topics that are a little bit more challenging to manage. But I would hope that as we bring in more guests, as we hopefully have a couple episodes with our parents, maybe some episodes with some young people that, you know, our parents, our listeners, our mm-hmm. guardians, that they walk away with an elevated joy quotient, right? That Absolutely the knowledge and some additional skills or resources, but their joy quotient is higher. Absolutely. Because being a parent can be tough, right? There are days when it's tough, but we that this whole vulnerability conversation mothers who were saying sometimes it's tough and we have to be vulnerable to get help and we have to be vulnerable to restore ourselves and be there for our children. So I would love for this to be a space where if parents are feeling vulnerable, mm-hmm. they come away with a higher joy quotient. Ditto to everything that you said. And one of the things is that in addition to sort of continuing what we're doing, just having, attempting to have intergenerational conversations, yes, like between definitely. youth and like adults, in terms of just really having a conversation among us to still be center in joy, but just to talk, right? Sometimes just to listen about what's going on, what's the most pressing issue, 
how to be supportive. I think the learning, the intergenerational conversations and a learning that could occur, I think that would be something that I will hope that we can do next season as well. And I think it's so important. Yeah. Sharita, and I'm glad you bring that up because when you bring that up, what I thought of was the recent Supreme Court's decision around affirmative aid, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think about within the past four or five years, we've had Beverly Tate, Kim O'Neill's book, her That's right. second edition of Why Are the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria. And in that book, which I have, and I suggest others get the updated version, she talks about what it's like to talk about kids today who grew up with eight years of President Obama. Right? That's right. And I think about the Supreme Court case in a recent sort of chat space I was in where, you know, a multi-generational discussion among a family when the decision came out. And the younger generation was like, what is that? And why should I care? Mm, yeah. And so oh, that's a heavy topic. And that's a serious topic. It's a heavy topic. But it's a discussion we got to have, right? We yeah. got to have, right? And so yeah. that means that, you know, there are many Black families who haven't been having that conversation. But we know that from a research perspective. We may not know that from a practical perspective because mm-hmm. we're just living day to day and trying to figure it out. So this idea of these intergenerational conversations around different topics, I think, are so important because for some young people, you know, I know my daughter attends Freedom School. One of the texts from years ago when I was involved was this school used to be white, right? So for a young person who's in a school and in a community, an urban community or most racial community, they probably wouldn't even get the title of that text, right? So this text is all about affirmative action. So this idea of, you know, Brown versus Board and, you know, integrating Mm -hmm. schools, but for someone who goes to school where most of the children look like them, where it's a diverse school, and they're a young child, they may not know that. So these conversations and how we understand and how we navigate these spaces, multi-generational, I think, will be Absolutely. edifying for all of us, right? So I like that idea. Yeah, this of, is a space to have it. I think this is yeah. the space to have it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we could, you know, use this space to have these conversations that we know are very necessary. Yeah. So we are looking forward to... A dynamic season two, y'all. Yeah, we've got lots to talk about. We got lots to talk about. We know that our parents and our guests have lots to talk about or thinking about. We'd love to hear from you. So when you are commenting and subscribing, if there are topics that you think you want us to cover and deep, you know, let us know what you think about our episodes. They're there for you to listen to Maybe make some suggestions in the comments and we'll see what we can do. They may already be on our list. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. For sure. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening and sharing and following us and subscribing. We appreciate it. And as we conclude the first season of Raising Joyful and Resilient Black Children podcast, we really want to express our heartfelt gratitude to all of our listeners. Your support and engagement have truly been inspiring. Yes. That's right. That's right. And we hope that the conversations we've had throughout this season have provided you with valuable insights, practical tools, and a sense of community. And again, just shouting out my co-host, this communal resilience. So remember, you are not alone on this journey of parenting and nurturing joyful and resilient Black children. Absolutely. Stay connected with us during the break by visiting our website at whatisblack.co. And again, it's whatisblack.co. 
You can access previous episodes, you can share them, explore additional resources, and sign up for our newsletter to stay informed about the upcoming season. We are excited for the future and the opportunity to continue these meaningful conversations in our next season. We invite you to join us as we explore new topics, welcome inspiring guests, and provide even more support for our community. Thank you once again for being a part of the Raising Joyful and Resilient Black Children podcast. Together, we can create a world where our children thrive, celebrate their identity, and navigate life's challenges with resilience and joy, all caps. Raising Joyful and Resilient Black Children podcast, a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This podcast was created and produced by Jacqueline Duget with editing support from Manny Simon of Vita Productions. We are grateful for their dedication and bringing these important conversations to life. We invite you to follow, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your feedback helps us reach more listeners and continue providing valuable content to our families. Wishing you and your families continued joy and resilience. Until next season. Until next season, y'all.